Hey there, it's Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, host of the Pat Miller Show. This show is for small business owners so they can make their business dreams come true. Our slogan is Don't Grow It Alone. And what you're going to hear is a broadcast of our show that's carried in 25 cities around the country. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Hope you love it. All right, let's go. America's small business conversation is on the air. It's the Pat Miller Show. One hour exclusively for entrepreneurs to work on your business, not in it. It's time to solve problems, capture opportunities, and celebrate your wins. Powered by the Idea Collective small business community. This is the Pat Miller Show. Now your host... Pat Miller, the Idea Coach. You found America's small business conversation where we gather around the earbuds or the car radio or whatever, and we have a talk about growing your business. I'm Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, by the way. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We've got a wide array of topics to go over today. In just a moment, I'm going to share with you how to fire an employee because it's terrible. It's awful. And if you're a first-time boss or you're now just getting back into the swing of things, you're going to have to fire people. And it's a uh, capital N, no fun when you do. I'll share my experience and how to go about it in just a few moments. Also on today's show, we're going to sit down with a professor to learn what the heck is going on with AI and small business. Should I be paying attention to this? Is this a thing? Should I be scared of it? Professor Derek Riley from the Milwaukee School of Engineering, he is on top of it. And we'll spend time with him in just a few moments. We'll also talk about networking so we can meet more people and grow our business. Queenie Donaldson is on the show for that. And then another small business celebration with our friend Chuck Copenspire. So we have a lot of stuff to get to, but as promised, let's do the uncomfortable thing first. You got to fire somebody. Wow. Sorry about that. It's a hard thing and nobody wants to do it. In fact, there are folks that I talk to that don't want to go hire someone simply because they know someday they'll probably have to fire someone. So nobody wants to do it. It is never any fun. But before we get to firing them, how about we talk about improving their performance so you don't have to? So I want to share with you how I was taught to do it, how I've done it as I've managed people for, I don't know, over 20 years, and the things that I learned along the way. So if you have an employee and something's going wrong, there are two things to decide on. The first thing is to decide, can I improve their performance and turn them around so they can stay? That's the ideal outcome. The other thing is, if they've stolen or they lied to you, or they cheated somehow, That there's no option there. You got to get rid of them. Like, get rid of them. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. If you break the law or you do something completely unethical, there's really no rehabbing that. But if they're just not good at their job or they're just not listening to you, performance is an issue, here's how I was taught to go through it. The first thing you do is you sit down and talk with them. And I know that that's some brilliant advice you're getting from the radio show here, but a lot of people will avoid having that conversation and having the courage 
to sit down with someone who's not doing the job the way that they should, that's a real leadership trait and you have to be able to do it. So the first thing you do when you sit down with them is you come in with no assumptions. You want to understand what's going on because here's something that could be happening. Let's say someone is showing up late consistently. Very common trait of a poor performer. They start showing up late or leaving early. And you think, gosh darn it, that employee showing up late. I'm going to put an end to it. And then you sit down and you tell them this has to stop or else. And then they reveal that they have cancer or they reveal that they're having problems with their spouse or they reveal that their kid's having problems in school. And then you're not in a good place. So always seek understanding before you go into course correction with a poor performer. But assuming there are no, you know, cancer diagnoses or major life traumas that someone's going through. They're just not doing the job. When you sit down with them, you just tell them, hey, listen, things aren't going the way that they should. I expect you to be here at 9 a.m. and you're consistently showing up late. So please uh, make a change here and show up on time or we could have a problem. And that's it. You have a conversation. But here's the next step, and someone in HR taught me this. You need to have a written record of the conversation, and you need to share that record with them. The easiest way is to send them an email. Hey, Bob, thanks for the conversation today about showing up on time. I love having you as a part of the team, but I can't have you showing up a half hour late every day. Please make the correction. Thanks, Pat. Done. You have a record of it. It goes into their digital file, and you have proof that you've already addressed this with them. Now, why is that important? It's important to have proof because if you have to come back to them and they're still showing up late, you need to have a trail, a track record of trying to fix this problem. So let's say two, three, four weeks later, they're still not performing. They're still coming in late. Okay, here's how you escalate. You sit them down again and you say, okay, Bob, we talked about showing up on time at nine. Is there any reason why this is happening? No, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'll I'll make a change. You go to the next level. And the next level is, okay, Bob, showing up at nine is mission critical. I need you to show up at nine consistently in the next two weeks. If in the next two weeks that doesn't happen, here comes the consequence. If in the next two weeks that doesn't happen, uh, we may need to let you go. You need to say those words. You need to let them know what the consequence might be. If you don't do this by then, I might need to let you go. You need to be very clear about that. Let them know this is a deal breaker. Then you send them an email once again. Bob, thanks for the discussion about showing up on time. As we discussed, if you don't get here on time in the next two weeks, discipline could include up to termination. Put it in their digital file. Now you've had two very clear conversations about the poor performance, and you've got a track record of it. Then here's the thing about firing someone. And when someone shared this with me, it just unlocked everything, and it took all of that guilt and drama away from me. If you've talked to someone twice and they're still not performing, you don't need to fire them. You know what's happened? They have chosen not to work here. 
when someone told me that, it was like the sky opened up to me. And I thought, oh, what a beautiful perspective. I'm not taking action against them. They've chosen not to be a part of the team. That changes everything. So the third time you sit down with Bob, Bob, uh, as you know, being here on time is important. Uh, Consistently over the last month, you've not done it. We've had two different conversations that have talked about you being here on time. We're going to have to make a change. Today is your last day. And that's it. We'll draw up a check for the outstanding uh, PTO that we owe you and the balance of this week's check. Uh, I wish you the best of luck, but you need to gather your things. It's time to go. Boom, done, over. You're not begging them to make a change. You're not taking punitive action against them. They've chosen not to work here. So basically, if you've got a poor performer, warn them, then warn them with a consequence, put both of those things in writing, and then if they continue to do it, they've chosen not to work here. Firing people is hard and nobody wants to do it. But if they're surprised when you do it, you're doing it wrong. They should know that something's going on and they should know that their actions, their actions might lead to them not working here anymore. Write down everything, share what you write down with them and start a file. Then the very last thing is that This is a respectful activity. You need to be very, very clear. And you need to act very quickly. When you're ready to fire them, this is not a one-hour meeting. This is not something that goes on for a debate. There is no debate. Do X by Y. They didn't do it. Time to go. You're leaving right now. There's no two weeks notice on a firing. Get them out. So if you need to fire someone, it's terrible. But if you do it the right way, they shouldn't be surprised. So as you bring people on, I wish you a lot of luck. It can be tough, but it can also be crazy rewarding. Treat your people with respect. And uh, more often than not, they'll follow the rules and you won't have to fire as many people. How about we get on with today's show and talk about something positive? Let's talk about saving time and money with artificial intelligence. Dr. Derek Riley from the Milwaukee School of Engineering, he's going to give us a big picture overview of what's happening in the space and how you, as a small business owner, can dive in and get your life back. We'll talk with Dr. Riley next on The Pat Miller Show. America's small business conversation continues next on The Pat Miller Show. Are you a woman who needs to protect and grow your business? Or do you have a secret dream to start one? I bet you do. If you don't have a lawyer on your side, you may be putting your family and personal assets at risk. I know, I know. You might be avoiding lawyers because they seem overwhelming or intimidating. That's why you have to meet the team at Athena Legal Solutions, LLC.com. This all-woman team of talented lawyers are the most approachable, knowledgeable, and friendly team you'll ever meet. They exist solely to support women business owners who often go without the legal support they truly need. In 2023, they want to help 223 women create a solid legal foundation for their business. The first 100 women who mention this ad will receive over $100 off of their LLC starter package. Visit Athena Legal Solutions, LLC.com. 
Now, America's small business conversation continues on the Pat Miller Show. Welcome back to the Pat Miller Show. This is America's small business conversation, and you hear the words AI everywhere. Are you using it in your small business? If the answer is no, well, you probably should be. But if you don't know where to begin, I've got an expert here to tell us what's going on. Joining us today is Dr. Derek Riley. He's the professor and program director of computer science at MSOE, which is the Milwaukee School of Engineering, an amazing technology school. Dr. Riley, thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for inviting me. This will be a fun conversation. Yeah, I really am looking forward to this because I need the answers to the test and so do our community members. So as an outsider, not as a professor that literally teaches this for a living, it seems like AI came along suddenly. But can you give us an idea of the AI roadmap? How long have some of these tools been in construction and development that are now just seeing the light of day? Yeah, that's a good question. So the field of AI is actually pretty old. Uh, you know, some of the early um, algorithms and approaches that were used were developed in the 1950s. In the 1990s, um, computing technology got to the point where it was fast enough to be able to take advantage of some of those technologies, but it was lacking something really important, data. Um, and so we've really seen this huge resurgence of AI technologies in the past five to 10 years because entirely we have this confluence of uh, computing power, data, and then this, this thing we call the internet that allows us to share ideas and share knowledge. And it's just accelerated the pace of development in artificial intelligence. I heard someone say that we're using AI all the time and we're not even aware that we're using AI. So where is it baked in in our everyday life already? And we don't even know that we're using it. Yeah. Um, so if you've looked at your phone, <laughs> you've used AI. Um, so how, how does your phone use AI in so many ways? So if you've got the text message that like auto response thing that all uses natural language processing models, uh, if you've gotten email or not gotten a spam email, um, AI is used to filter out spam email uh, messages. You know, there's AI being used uh, by financial institutions to identify fraud and patterns in purchasing behavior. Um, news organizations, you listen or, or watch the news or check a website, you know, what you see on a website might be different for you, somebody else, based on your profile and based on the algorithms that decide what is shown to you. So, I mean, just in your early morning, other than maybe your cup of coffee, you've probably touched several <laughs> different AI systems out of the gate. Why do you think chat GPT has captured our attention? Why is it giving us the buzz when we use it for the first time? I think it's the surprise factor. We've had chatbots before, right? Um, most people have probably experimented with Siri or Alexa or, you know, OK Google. And have gotten some responses. And, you know, over the years, those responses have gotten better. When those tools initially surfaced, it was sort of hit or miss. And now, you know, you can get pretty good responses out of them. And we sort of have a level of expectation for the quality of response we get out of these systems. We know, okay, well, we can probably ask it a simple math question, but, you know, if I'm going to ask it to do my taxes, you know, it, it's, it's going to struck. Uh, and so, you know, what, what happened with ChatGPT, this is a new tool using a similar format, right? We're sort of asking it things, but suddenly you can ask it questions that we did not expect it to be able to answer. And it's doing a pretty darn good job in a lot of cases. 
chat GPT has our imagination. But on the whole, this is like talking about one model of a car amongst all forms of transportation on the planet. So I know we're really zoomed in on this, but it's the thing that many of us are aware of and we're paying attention to. Let's zoom out for a second. How good will this technology get? Will this be similar to the situations of the past where we can't imagine not having a smartphone, we can't imagine not having high-speed internet, where we can't imagine life without AI every day all the time? Yeah, I mean, I, I think ChatGPT is like the calculator, right? When it when it was introduced on the scene, it changed the way that people approached the way they did math. Uh, ChatGPT is a much more universal calculator and certainly much more sophisticated. But yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna continue to see this. I think the thing about ChatGPT that is most exciting um, isn't that it can solve certain problems. I, I think the idea of generalized AI, where we've got this AI system that can solve every problem is a really long way off. What ChatGPT does that I think is exciting is it demonstrates a level of complexity and sophistication that is an order of magnitude change over previous generations. And there's some technological things behind it where it's able to encode more complex knowledge in these structures that have been built behind it. And the fact that it can do that, or it appears to be that it can do that, really signals that those structures and those those concepts that are encoded in the algorithms that are used for chat GPT have potential to be used and deployed for other areas. And so I think it sort of shows that, look, there's, there's big steps of innovation that can happen in this area that are going to be able to be leveraged in other areas as well. We're talking with Dr. Derek Riley, professor and program director of computer science at MSOE. How soon will it be until everyone is using a tool like chat GPT on a daily basis? I think uh, that we are almost already there. I think AI systems are, are most effective at doing repetitive tasks that humans can do, but would prefer not to do. And so inherently, we can try a tool like chat GPT and say, okay, well, can this do this thing that I didn't really want to do um, for me? Because that would be great. That would make my life better. People who don't start to experiment and play with this, um, you know, will there be a place for them in the world? Of course. Um, there are always going to be, uh, yeah, we're nowhere near these AI systems replacing humans. Um, they can replace aspects of our jobs that we don't like. Um, but, you know, I, there, there are auto grading systems I could use in my classes. Um, I, I've tried them out. Um, they don't do the best job giving kind of one-on-one -on -one feedback. So I find it valuable to use them to some extent, but then add in my own interpretation. Like you were saying before, you know, um, adding that human element, I think there's always going to be value in doing that. Um, and so I think, I think early adoption is good, but I don't think people feel need to feel like, Hey, I have to have this or I'm going to be left behind. Awareness is important. Experimentation is important, but if, if you don't see an obvious use case with what you have right now, that doesn't mean you're going to be left behind. I'm encouraging the small business owners in my community to allow AI to replace the replaceable parts of what they do so they can spend more time with more clients or a higher level of service to the ones that they have, embrace it uh, and use it as quickly as possible because there is an opportunity right now to save time and money if you begin using it.
Only a few more questions because we're almost out of time. Will the mass market adoption come through Microsoft and Google? Is that the way that most of us will end up using this technology on a day-to-day basis? Uh, I think uh, it, that's hard to predict, but I think it's very likely that we're going to have offerings from companies like the big tech companies. Um, I think that is going to be for for kind of mass market, yes. But I think there's also going to be sort of boutique firms that develop tools that are adaptations of the existing AI tools that solve really narrow focused problems that maybe some of your viewers have. It's a fascinating discussion. I could talk to you for hours about this, but I'm grateful for the time we got to spend today. Dr. Derek Riley, Professor and Program Director of Computer Science at MSOE. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Talking about AI could be a weekly segment here on the show because things are moving so fast. Another thing that we could always talk about, Networking 101. Queenie Donaldson is going to teach us how to do it coming up next on this edition of The Pat Miller Show. America's small business conversation continues next on The Pat Miller Show. Krista Morrissey for Choices Coaching and Consulting. Do you know where most small businesses go wrong? They invest in everything except their leaders. But through strong leaders comes strong business. Are you doing it wrong? Most small businesses focus on production and numbers. Production and numbers come through strong, resilient leaders. And strong leaders strengthen culture. They strengthen your resiliency and they strengthen your bottom line. I develop strong, resilient leaders who will drive your business. It is time for you to refocus your investment. Go to choicescoachingconsulting.com and let's you and I start the conversation now before someone else invests in your leaders. When you invest in your leaders, you invest in the bottom line of your business. Connect with Krista at choicescoachingconsulting.com. Act now. Krista at choicescoachingconsulting.com. You have a brand. Your business's brand is one of the most important things on your plate. As a business owner, you keep up with the trends. So what's hot these days? It's live events. Owning your small business combined with speaking at live events positions you as the expert in your field. That's where Bankable Events comes into play. Bankable Events is an event advisory and management firm with a primary focus on maximum conversion events. With more than 4,000 live events under their belt, they have the expertise to design face-to-face events that get your audience pumped up and generate profits. The minute you partner with Bankable Events, they'll start creating a customer customized strategy to take you from idea to income. Just think of the opportunities ahead for you. Call 303-550-1123 or head to bankableevents.com. Join over 1,000 other small business owners and CEOs who use Bankable Events to build community and drive revenue. That's bankableevents.com. Now, America's small business conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. Welcome back to The Pat Miller Show. This is America's Small Business Conversation. And in business, the value of your company goes up as the value of your personal network goes up. They say you need to have people know, like, and trust you to grow a business to where you want to take it. But what if you're not a natural networker? Well, We have one of those naturals on the phone today, and we're going to bring in Queenie Donaldson, who's the founder and CEO of Queens Entertainment Group. She's really good at networking, so good she teaches classes on it. So let's learn from Queenie. Queenie, welcome to the Pat Miller Show. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you, Pat? 
I'm fantastic, and our listeners need to hear from you because we got to build a personal network to build a small business. So I would imagine you're a natural at networking. When you first realized that there were people on the planet that weren't great at networking, did that surprise you? Um, somewhat it did, um, especially when during COVID, when we're online and it's a lot of different you know, virtual events and you hear different topics and you get in these rooms and then people will connect with you and, and then it, it becomes very transactional and not very personable. And so that's when I kind of start noticing. I'm like, okay, you know, let me just, without attacking anyone's character, but just letting letting people know like a few tips of how to approach people, especially people you don't know. Yeah, and that's what we have to do is add those people that might grow the business, but we haven't met them yet. And I mentioned you teach a course on this, The Art of Networking. So let's start with some of those 101 introductory tips. If someone's not really good at networking, what are some of these easy uh, tips that you would give someone so they can improve their networking game? Yeah, I mean, first of all, just introduce yourself just like you would like someone out that you're not even trying to do business with. Like in everyday, just be high. How you doing? Eventually, just make it very casual and organic. Eventually, you would, you know, hey, so what do you do? That will come up. You don't have to start off with that. So to me, I'll just say start an organic conversation. If you're like at a networking event, it doesn't matter if it's virtual or in person. Just definitely start very generic, organic. Just, hey, how you doing? Or, and compliment you. That's a nice sweater. Or, you know, if, if they were a speaker, like I really enjoyed what you say. It just kind of started like a very natural conversation. I think that that leads into everything else. I don't think we're used to that because I think we're used to, oh, we're connected on LinkedIn. Now we're a part of their network. Like we rush it. Yeah. And the idea of taking our time and having some patience is a little bit unusual. How frequently do you think, like how many touches or how long will you talk with someone until you consider them a real part of your personal network? Um, I give people the opportunity to just, I mean, you can tell pretty early on after, a, even if it's one conversation or two, me, I, I have a discernment and I have like an instinct. So I can kind of tell, um, very early on of where this relationship will go or will it may not go. But at the end of the day, everything doesn't have to be transactional. You you may find yourself with a new friend or someone, a new referral partner or somebody that you might be able to collaborate with. It's so many things. Or it may just be someone that you just connect with time to time. It, it doesn't always have to end with um, a transaction. It's just, you know, a kind word or, or just meeting someone new, you know, that that can lead many places. And if you think about those power partners in our network, we generally uh, find those are the people that we enjoy, like we click. And so far, we're talking about how to improve our networking game. And you've brought up two things that are very personal that we should have more patience and that we should let relationships develop, which makes total sense. And then we should follow our instincts that we should know, hey, this is someone I'm clicking with. Maybe I should invest more 
in this relationship. Those are two really good things. What are some other things that you would tell someone if they're not the best networker as they try to improve their networking game? I would definitely say start. One thing that I love about LinkedIn is the audio events that they have. So you don't have to be on camera. And I think that is so, so good for people who are introverts. So, you know, a lot of people don't feel comfortable speaking, you know, so all you have to do, they see your little icon of your LinkedIn page and you can, I I just honestly love the audio events. That's the first thing. If you're not on LinkedIn and just join the audio event, you don't necessarily have to speak either. You could just see it. But I, I think that's the best place to get comfortable with basic networking. If you're not, you know, comfortable going in person yet or, or talking to people, start, start there start virtual. That's a real gift because the audio events on LinkedIn are not necessarily new, but they're not one of the most popular features or most uh, highly aware features on LinkedIn. Can you share an example of an audio event that you went to and you actually struck up a relationship with someone at one of these audio events? Absolutely. Yeah. I actually attended one this morning, this um, two wonderful young ladies, um, Camille and uh, Mary, they host every two, every other Tuesday, I believe. And um, once I attended, and I love it because I can just listen and the conversations are so good. I'm kind of, let me really pay attention. And, and I love the opportunity to be able to go on stage and share the input and really um, engage. And it makes me comfortable as a speaker because I'm, I'm also a speaker as well. And I still have stage fright and and all those butterfly things but it's actually making me feel really comfortable the audio events and i just started doing it the top of this year and i I really enjoy them and i love the topics and i'm actually going to be hosting um, one soon now i understand how they work but i just love meeting new people and and that i've always been that way even when i was younger i just love networking and and just meeting people I think people are just fascinating and I love learning people's backgrounds and that's just something that I've always enjoyed and it served me well in my business. If you're just joining us, we're talking about networking and how to get better at it with Queenie Donaldson, the founder and CEO of Queens Entertainment Group. And Queenie, you're in California. You've worked in the entertainment industry forever. What did you see in, quote unquote, the business? Because it just makes me cool to say the business. What did you learn <laughs> in the business, you know, that that normal people like me might be able to take from it when it comes to building a personal network? You know what, Pat? The first thing I've learned, because this is going to be my 23rd year, I started my career in casting with Ruben Cannon, then I he got me the opportunity at BET. And the first thing I learned working in the talent department is just being yourself and asking for help and, and learning everyone's job, not just sitting there and let me think of it as a competition. My mentors, um, Sheila Frazier and Yolanda Starks, I learned everything from them, especially Yolanda. Like she really took me under her wing and, and she's a mentor to me to this day. She just taught me the, the importance of being true to yourself, being authentic, networking and, and meeting people, following up, um, just building those relationships. And that's where my foundation truly began over 20 years ago there. 
Yeah, follow up. Boy, that's another thing. We could do a whole other segment. That follow up is key. Let me tell you, I am follow up queen. You. I've learned and I've learned. <laughs> and trust me, when I don't follow up, I, I always tell when I'm not, you know, meeting my mark or I, I, I just it's like in my DNA. I just remember like I yeah. hear them in my head. Follow up, follow up, follow up. That's what you especially when you work at a network. That's key when you're booking celebrities for all our networking programming shows, like we were booking like 10 shows a week, you know, different. Wow. Uh, and it was like a whole talent department, not just me, but that follow-up is key. <laughs> I, I learned very early on. We're almost out of time and we'll put the links to the class in the show notes, but tell us quickly about the art of networking and what that's going to be all about. Yes. So that will be taking place where actually um, building everything out. It will be Wednesday, April 26th. Um, I would suggest people, if you are interested, definitely connect with me on LinkedIn and I'll be able to share more information and provide the link. Um, I am under Queenie Donaldson on LinkedIn. Feel free to message me and, and in the message section, just put um, that you're interested in the Art of Networking Workshop and I'll be able to provide you all the details there. Your personal value is oftentimes in your personal network, and hopefully you just picked up something that you can use. Queenie Donaldson, founder and CEO of Queens Entertainment Group. Thanks for coming on the Pat Miller Show. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Building relationships is so important. Thank you, Queenie, for coming on the Pat Miller Show and helping us out. If you're out there building your small business all by yourself, did you know that the Idea Collective Small Business Incubator is standing right here ready to help you? You don't need to grow it alone. When an international community of small business owners is getting together 24-7 online to help you solve problems, capture opportunities, and make everything just a little bit more fun. I'd love to have you check it out. Visit ideacollectiveincubator.com. That's ideacollectiveincubator.com for more information. America's Small Business Conversation continues next on The Pat Miller Show. Developing your business is a journey. So make sure and bring along a trusted sidekick. As your business grows, Sidekick Accounting will be there. Sidekick Accounting's core services help take the confusion out of bookkeeping, tax preparation, and tax planning. Who's going to keep track of all those pesky receipts and invoices? Well, Sidekick Accounting has things covered as you grow your version of business success. So whether your small business is a side hustle or a conduit to freedom and owning your own business in time, get in touch with a trusted Sidekick, Sidekick Accounting. There are expert advisors waiting to hear from you now. Feel free to call or send a text message to 414 414- 310-7689. That's 414-310-7689. You can find them on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, or visit sidekick-accounting.com. Remember, developing your business is a journey, so bring along a trusted sidekick. Now, America's small business conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. Welcome back to the Pat Miller Show. This is America's Small Business Conversation. And as you listen to the show, you know I love a good celebration. I love to hear other people win. Why? Because when we hear others win, we're reminded that we can win too. 
And we have a great celebration today. Chuck Copenspire, marketing strategist and founder of Identity Pending, is back to celebrate with us. Chuck, great to see you again. How are you, my friend? I am doing well and very, very happy to be celebrating with you today. Okay, so you've got something good, and I want you to share it with the world. What are we celebrating today? I finally launched my podcast a couple weeks ago, and I have recorded nine episodes, released four, and there are many, many more to come. So I'm feeling really excited about uh, this milestone. That's a ton of activity right at the beginning. Already recorded nine episodes. So tell us about the podcast. Why is it in the world, and who is it for? Uh, So it's called the Anti-Professional Podcast, and it is for anyone who feels like they were told they didn't belong in business. And it is about us breaking down the barriers and the gatekeeping and all the, the stories that we collectively tell each other and we tell ourselves for who gets to succeed and who doesn't, who gets to take up space and who doesn't. And so I'm really elevating um, all kinds of human beings who have found their own way to success, especially as like entrepreneurs or even um, in the corporate world, um, still deciding to stand out and fight for a cause. But some people are like really high up at like fintech institutions, despite being like pretty radical. Um, and I think that's cool. So I'm, I'm hearing their stories and, and just trying to inspire people who feel like someone like them can't win. I'm showing them that they can. When someone uh, hears that from another person, How does that make them feel? Does that give them confidence? Does that lower anxiety? Does that make them think that anything's possible? I mean, if someone really hears the message you're trying to send, it's such an important message. Mm -hmm. How does that affect a listener to the podcast? Well, I'd like to counteract uh, the forces that want to keep people small and want to keep us the same because, you know, Precious talks about, Precious Williams is my first podcast guest, and she has talked about how people told her like, oh, nobody wants to hear from you, or like, oh, nobody's going to listen to you. We are the opposite of that. We want to hear from you. We want your voice. And even if it's small, even if it's inconsistent, it doesn't matter. Your voice matters. Your story matters. Your business matters. And your, your actualization of your dreams matters. I want everyone to just be living their best life, whatever that means. And I don't want stories to hold people back or or thoughts and beliefs to hold people back. The Anti-Professional Podcast. Let's talk about professional habits and traditions. Um, Do you think they're in place because they're customary? Or do you think they're in place because they are excluding people on purpose and keeping the same people in power? I'm sure you'd have an interesting take on that. To be completely honest, um, whether people are aware of it or not, I think that unfortunately a lot of history of our country and like money and power is rooted in oppression and, um, you know, keeping a lot of people out so a very specific group of people can stay on top. And I just want to spread the wealth. I want to be the Robin Hood of success by, you know, lowering, I, I, I always say, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, like there's mm-hmm. more than enough for everybody. So if the guys who have too much end up with less, that's okay with me. <laughs> I just yeah. want everyone to have enough. Um, however, I can contribute to that. Let's talk about creating a podcast because great podcasts, in my estimation, have a very clear point of view. They know exactly who they're for. So as you were building up the momentum to launch this one, or if someone's thinking about doing it themselves, what process would you suggest they walk through to make sure their podcast can cut through and really reach the right people? Well, I would say my perspective as a marketer 
with any project I approach is to identify the gaps. And when I got into business coaching, I noticed that there was nobody with like a radical point of view, encouraging other people who are maybe thought of as outsiders to become leaders. And so I saw that gap and decided that I wanted to fill it. And I also like to create a little bit of like shock or like pattern interrupt, however you want to have it. And I think a lot of people are like anti-professional, like, ooh, you're supposed to be like an Instagram coach who's like polished with all the pastel themes. And mine is like a picture of me making like a gross face holding a sign, you know, that says anti-professional. I just like to go against the grain. And I felt like this was a good way to introduce a new concept and uh, catch some attention, I guess, by standing out in a pretty crowded space, business coaching podcasts. Yeah, there's a lot of them. And if someone's thinking about doing their own, maybe it's leaning into the part of them that fires them up the most, the part that maybe they don't want to say out loud, but they want to scream out loud. I mean, Mm -hmm. is that how we're getting after that right piece of emotion that you should be podcasting about? So much information is already just available. Information is easy to come by, but inspiration is harder to come by. And if there's something inside of you, like almost everything I do comes from a place that I've been hurt. And I don't want other people to be hurt the same way I've been hurt. So I'm trying to put that like soothing medicine out there for the people who are like me. And it's not for everyone else. It's for people like me. Um, and pe- other people who've done the work like that have helped me so much in my journey to loving myself and becoming who I am. And I just want to contribute, you know, pay it backward to the person who's yeah. three steps behind and, you know, help them get through it. If you're just joining us, we're celebrating with Chuck Copenspire, who just launched the Anti-Professional Podcast. So when will you know that this is working the right way? Have you received feedback from your listeners, or is there something that you're listening for from the guests of the show or the listeners of the show that will validate you in this process? So I get instant validation by recording because I start every podcast by spontaneously writing a poem for each guest. Uh And the look on Precious's face when I did the first episode made the entire project worth it. And every time (laughs) I've done it, it's just been so funny because it's great because I get to flatter these people and like do something so unusual. Um, I just get so much joy from that, that that's all I really need to keep going. But, you know, if, uh, if I gather enough information for the book, and the book already has some some of my visibility authority marketing behind it because of the podcast, mm-hmm. that would also be great. So as your guests come on and they're helping you write what will become a book, you know, it's really a chance to understand and be up to speed on everything that you want to address. It's, it's one big uh, research project in a way. Well, I started writing it and I realized I did not know enough about the different ways that people experience professionalism or discrimination in professional environments. And so I needed to talk to all kinds of people and I love talking to people. It's great. Yeah. I think you're uniquely qualified to be a podcast host. You like to talk to people. It's what you do. I do. (laughs) I like questions. It's exciting. And we always like to do small business celebrations. And this one's especially meaningful because it's empowering even more people to win. The podcast is called the anti-professional podcast. And the host is Chuck Copenspire, founder and marketing strategist at Identity Pending. Chuck, congratulations on the launch, and thanks for coming on again on The Pat Miller Show. Thank you. And Pat, I told you this before, but the podcast wouldn't exist without you because you gave me a good pep talk right before my first episode, so thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) 
Another episode of America's Small Business Conversation is in the books. If you want to see some of our previous episodes, visit patmillershow.com. I'll see you right here, same station, next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to The Pat Miller Show. See patmillershow.com for more information on today's guests, events, and the Idea Collective small business community. A worldwide group working together to fight fear, inexperience, and isolation for small business owners everywhere. Join us next week for The Pat Miller Show. And remember, get clear, work hard, and never quit. Guests on The Pat Miller Show have agreed prior to appearing that they are receiving consultation and advice that they may or may not use at their own risk. No part of the show should replace accounting, tax, or legal advice.